How's everyone doing this morning? So I'm going to take this opportunity while we're doing a little bit of transition. And I'm just going to tell you now that uh, I have something over my finger, okay? And <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm right-handed, so I do everything with my right hand. And I was trying to hold the mic with my left, and it's weird. It's just weird. So <clears throat> I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to still hold it with my left hand, but we will see how that works out. I work with teenagers, and I work with teenagers who sometimes uh, have attitude problems. And so therefore, you know, they want to be cute and funny and all that good stuff. And when you ask for a football, and they throw it at you from like two feet away. Okay, it might not have been two feet, but it was really close. And it hit my finger and stubbed it. And so that was exciting, at least for about two minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so keep, keep my finger in prayer, if you will. I, uh, I don't want... I don't want any further uh, action to have to be taken for its healing. I pray that God would just touch it and I'll be done with it. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm glad to be here before you this morning. How's everyone doing? Are you doing well this morning? Blessed? That's good. That's good. We want to keep it that way. <clears throat> so today, I'm going to hopefully teach a little bit. I brought the stool out so I could keep calm. Pastor Jeff told me I got too rowdy. I'm joking. <laughs> he's, he's here in the back making sure I stay calm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. As a matter of fact, he would be the one to tell me to get a little bit more lively sometimes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so today I want to talk to you about simple directives from great authority. Um, simple directives from great authority. Before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, I just coming to you right now, I thank you and I praise you for your presence in this place. I thank you, God, that you bless us daily with your presence. Father, I just pray right now that you would prepare every heart. God, touch the ears of your people so that they could hear your voice. I pray that I would decrease in this moment and that you might increase in the name of Jesus and the church said, amen. So as I begin to think about this subject or topic that I feel God laid on my heart, I thought about my son, Malachi. At a young age, Malachi decided that his goal in life, you know, when the teachers asked him what he wanted to be, he stated, dad. He didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a hero thing. Please understand. I know some of you may be like, oh, that's so cute. He loves his dad. Um, I, I believe he does love me, but that is not it. It was not, oh, my dad is so wonderful. I want to be like him. It was my dad has all the power and I want that. <laughs> so when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, a dad. Okay. <laughs> um, how do I know? Because I asked him. I said, I said, like, you know, what did you mean, son? And he says, well, you get to eat what you want. You get to do what you want. You <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, never mind. Just forget it. <laughs> and I mean, you know, he's I don't know, maybe fifth grade, or no, I'm sorry, he was five years old or so at the time. Preschool? preschool? Oh, okay, so preschool and the kindergarten, even younger than that. And uh, there was no sense in me trying to help him understand that those are small perks compared to everything else that I have to deal with. <laughs> Eating ice cream at the middle of night when I, you know, matter of fact, I have to pay for that, you know. Uh, anyways. So Malachi, as he's gotten older, has grown to continue in that way. Um, and he's begun to take on 
some of my responsibilities as a parent, even. Uh, so, you know, sometimes he tries to uh, he tries to display my authority without my presence. Doesn't always work. Uh, it usually it usually results in a major argument. Um, on occasions, a full-out battle brawl. Uh, but that's Malachi, and we know that's Malachi. He's now kind of gotten the title of the policeman in the house. Uh, he polices everything to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, including me at times. <laughs> um, but simple directives from great authority. So one time I was coming up the steps at my house and I heard Malachi telling Theo, which is the youngest, he says, you know, Theo, you need to clean up this, you need to clean this up right now. You need to pick up this, you need, Theo, and Theo's like, no, I don't want to, I don't have to, you know, he's just like, no, I don't got to. And so I came up, I'm, I'm coming up the stairs and we have a banister, so as I clear the, the, uh, the stair, the wall, I can now see through the banister and there are toys everywhere. Well, in this instant, I agree with Malachi. And I do, on a lot of occasions, agree with Malachi because uh, he takes his lead from me, okay? So I, I'm clearing the steps and I'm like, Theo, you made a mess, didn't you? Yes. Well, then you do need to clean it up. And Malachi's like, clean it up, Theo. Literally, he follows up with, clean it up, Theo. It's like, you heard it. Now, do it because I said so. <laughs> so, what followed from that was pretty awesome. Theo cleaned up the area. Then he moved on to clean up the toy room. Then he went from there and cleaned up his bedroom. Now, before he got to that, I came up and I was, I, well, no, he moved on to the, the toy room on his own. I just said, pick up whatever you were playing with. That's what I said. And I was really talking about the, the room at the top or the hallway at the top of the steps. But he did that and moved into the toy room. So when I came upstairs, I looked and I was like, wow, you picked up your toys. You moved some laundry like you did more than I asked. Good job, buddy. And he was like, thanks, Dad. He's like, look at this, Dad. And he walks into the toy room, and I was like, I turned around. I looked for my daughter, Micah, and I was like, Micah, did you help him do this? And she was like, mm-mm. She said, I came upstairs, and he went from here to that room. And I was like, I was like, buddy, did you just clean all of this? He's like, I did. <laughs> And he was super excited, and I, I was just really excited for him as well that he had done that. And I walked away to do something, and he came, you know, 10 minutes or so later, he came, and he's like, Dad, Dad, come here. And I'm like, okay. So I come upstairs, and he's like, you know, and he had cleaned the, the, his bedroom, and all three boys sleep in the bedroom, and he cleaned the bedroom, and I'm like, did you do this all by yourself, too? And he's like, uh, you know, I'm looking at Micah like, Micah, did you help him? And she's like, mm-mm, you know, and I'm just, I was blown away, like, wow. So when I begin to prepare this message, when I was reading the scripture, I realized something if you didn't already catch it, Theo did what he did, not because Malachi told him to do it. And what Malachi asked him to do was a very simple directive. Clean up, clean up the stuff you were playing with. Clean up your toys. Clean up the hallway. But it wasn't Malachi that got the job done. It was me. It was my authority. He asked him to do that, but it was me backing him up that caused Theo not just to clean the space that he was in, but to clean two whole other rooms. So 
I want you to really think about the idea of a simple directive that comes from great authority and what can happen out of that. So often, we in the church, we as Christians, we will pray about something. We may get an answer. We may hear God's voice. But we don't see, we don't see results. We don't see the things that we've prayed about begin to come to pass. We can get frustrated. We can get angry. We can get worried and concerned. And this is what I'm saying to you today is I want to remind us of something. And what that is, I'm going to have to just, I'm going to have to continue to speak and let it unfold, okay? When we're praying for these things, when we're seeking for action to be taken on our part for whatever the situation is, we have to realize in whose authority we are asking or telling. We have to understand that it's not our own because that makes all of the difference. If something is not happening in your life after prayer has taken place, you may ask the question, in whose authority did I ask for this thing to happen? Or maybe even we check our motives. What was our motives in this thing happening? Because here's a fact. Simple, and I keep saying this because I need you to understand that it's not a big thing, but it's just a simple directive. From great authority, it does something. It can create much bigger outcomes than we even thought or planned for. We can pray for one thing and end up getting way more than we bargained for. We can simply speak to a situation and see more change than we actually planned. I used my son to show the example of the authority which followed. But even more in this instance, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a need to understand the the request, the thing that we are looking for change in, simple, the, the simple directive. Sometimes it's not a matter of telling someone to do something. Sometimes it's a matter of telling the enemy specifically to do something. Get lost. Stop haggling this person or that person. Loose this person or that person, right? Release this thing. And sometimes we, we, just for the sake of using something specific, you know, we may pray for God to, God to release funds into our lives. And God will. But the funds aren't there, so what happened to them? The scripture is very clear that the enemy can get in the way and become an obstacle to hold the blessings that God has for us to hold them up. And sometimes it's as simple as just getting in our own head, right? Sometimes all he has to do is whisper a little thing in our head. And, and at that point we are distracted and we are now in a holding pattern. Kind of like the millions of Israelites wandering through a desert. 
what was theirs was already theirs. And the way they began the journey was by what? A simple directive. Let my people go. I hope, I hope that it's beginning to formulate. But let me go ahead and, and jump into the word for today, right? We're going to go to Mark 11. And we're going to be in the message and we'll tiptoe around in New Living Translation. But let's, let's look at Jesus because obviously Jesus is the person that we always need to look to and that we can look to for examples, right? So it says, starting in verse 1 of Mark chapter 11, When they were nearing Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent off two of the disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never yet been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you what you are doing, say, the master needs him and will return him right away. Pause. A simple directive. Jesus gave one and then told them to give one. Jesus gave one. He needs no backing. Jesus told them to give one and made it very clear to do it, saying, it's the master who needs it. <laughs> See, I get excited, and I want to stand up. I said I was going to sit down. Let's continue. Verse 4. They went and found a cult tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. Some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? The disciples replied exactly as Jesus had instructed them, and the people let them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus, and so on and so forth. Let's jump ahead, because it happens again. Before I get excited, I got to make sure I get this part in. Let's jump down to verse 12. Verse 12, Mark 11. This time we're going to look in the NLT version. It says, The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. <laughs> and the disciples heard him say it. Man, can I say that this, this little piece of scripture confounded me for years. Because I never understood how he could curse something that wasn't in season anyway. I never understood that. I was like, what in the world? But eventually, I got a little bit more mature, and I understood I needed to study some things out and do some research and look. And so if you've ever been complexed or perplexed by this scripture, know this, that when it comes to fixed trees, Usually what happens is it, it, it begins to bloom uh, what are like pre, uh, what is it, like, I forget what they're called. We'll call them just pre-blooms, right? It's like pre-blooms. So it's like new fruit coming before the main fruit. And because Jesus walked up and he didn't see the pre-fruit, he said, this tree is done. 
That's a whole nother message. Matter of fact, watch deep in because I felt like I needed to sit on that one for a little bit. <laughs> We're going to revisit that. But nonetheless, going, Jesus decided out of some irritation because he was going to find some food and it did not have any. And Jesus gave it a simple directive. May no one ever eat your fruit again. And out of that, something happened. We're going to go back to the message. Actually, no, we're going to stay. We'll stay in the New Living Translation. So just in verses 20 and 25 in the New Living Translation, it says this. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree, they had gone one way and they were coming back the other, right? As they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed Right? The disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. The thing was completely dead from the roots in the ground all the way up, completely dead and withered. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day, on the previous day. And exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it will happen. But you must really believe it. It will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I want to go back to the message The same scripture, verse 20 and 25, it says this. Jesus was matter of fact, right? After Peter had said this, Jesus was matter of fact, and he said, embrace this God life. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in a lake. No shuffling or hemming and hawing, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything. Ranging from small to large, including everything as you embrace this God life. And you'll get God's everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. Couple things. Simple directives. Simple directives. Uh, mountain, go jump in the lake. It doesn't get any simpler than that. We as human beings, would, we would say something like this if somebody said that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the problem. It's going to take a little bit more work than you expect. Uh, it's not quite that simple. We're going to have to use a little dynamite. Lots of dumpsters or, or uh, uh, dump trucks. And we're going to have to move all of that. And No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus said. So here's, here's another problem. I'm in the same boat. I look at Jesus and I say, okay, Jesus, simple directive. 
mountain, go jump in a lake. Jesus, mountain's not moving. At which time I believe Jesus would say to me, um, did, you, did you say that with me in mind? Did you say that with the expectation that it needs to respond to me? Or did you say that with the expectation that it needs to respond to you? Well, that doesn't make any sense, Jesus. I mean, I'm praying at the end of this prayer, I said in the name of Jesus. But every time we say in the name of Jesus, I, I think it's more like this. Instead of in the name of Jesus, Jesus, do what you will. It's more like this. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, go get them. Go and do this, this, and this. And Jesus is like, well, you have no authority but what I give you. So for you to tell me to go do something, things are going to get a little weird here. So if we can understand, if we can wrap our minds around from whom our authority comes from, then we can walk in more expectation to see results from the things, from the simple, simple directives that we give. I know I am not being exciting. I'm not walking back and forth. But what I'm telling you is huge because I would venture to say that there are few people in here who really believe they can speak to their situation and see change. We question it. We doubt it, right? And if we're honest and we face that, I stay calm and I read this scripture which says, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. That's it. A simple directive from great authority can see crazy results. Even if you're asking for the smallest thing, you don't have to be asking for a, a, an immense thing, like say, parting a sea, or telling a storm to stop. It can be as simple as going to get a donkey out of someone's yard. Oh, y'all didn't, didn't just see what just happened there. You clearly didn't just see what just happened there. Because, see, we're like, donkey in a yard, sea being parted, and I'm telling you, there's no difference. It's a simple directive understood that it will happen because of the authority in whence it was given. I want to encourage you 
I want you to begin to test a theory. Let's, let's test the theory. If we pray for something, if we speak into something, if we release something, why do I keep saying release? Because there's nothing here about being released or releasing anything. But the reason I keep saying that is for a couple of reasons. One, somewhere else in the Bible, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, pretty sure it's in Luke 2, <laughs> where it says that God would, he would, he would release, he would bind he would make happen on earth as it is in heaven. For who? You're like, oh, I know he did that for Jesus, but I don't think he'll do that for me. If you go back a couple of weeks, two maybe, and pull up Pastor Jeff's deep end. Pastor Jeff does a whole he preaches a whole lesson on spiritual authority. And in that message, he comes out of Genesis, what was it? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. Now, I'm not going to put it up there because I'm not preaching that message. It's already been preached. But basically, what it says is this. We have dominion. We have been given dominion and authority here. Where? Here. <laughs> Whatever you're looking at around you, you have dominion and authority over. Now watch this. Back then we were given dominion and authority. When Jesus came, died, and resurrected, we were given power. <laughs> Listen, I, that is way better than the amens that I'm getting. And I understand I'm not jumping around and I'm not getting excitable, but I'm, I'm just simply trying to tie some things together for us. Because we don't, we don't quite operate as if we understand what we're capable of, what we can do. And I know you're like, Pastor Wayne, you seem like every time you get up here, you're telling us what we don't do. That's only because I want you to be able to do what you can do. It's not, it's not that I'm telling you what you can't do. I'm, trying to, I'm actually trying to tell you what you can do. What is, here's the question, what is the simple directive that will bring immense change from great authority in your life? I know some of you, and I know some of the things that you're up against right now. I know some of the obstacles. I know that it seems like you're looking at a mountain telling the mountain to be moved. Do it. Let's test the theory. Let's test it. Let's get radical. Let's get stupid and, you know, let's, let's look foolish. Let's look foolish for a period of time so that in a uh, couple days, a month, maybe a year, maybe even five years. Let's, let's do something now that might confound people later. Quick story that just came to me. It just reminded me, and I'm going to close. So 
This is a true story. I've seen it in a movie, but it is also apparently a true story. A little boy, probably teenage, so he takes a dollar bill, he, he cuts a notch into a tree, cuts a notch into a tree. Young kid, probably, probably younger, he probably wasn't even a teenager. Young kid, he cuts a notch into a tree and he shoves a dollar bill into the notch. No, it wasn't a dollar bill, it was a card. Shoves a card into the tree and he leaves it there, he walks away. Years later, 20 years, maybe 30 years later, he's now a famous Famous magician. 20 years, 30 years later, he's now a famous magician. And he steps out at the show that he's going to have, which he just so happened to set up in front of a tree, a very, very large tree. He set it up in front of this large tree because, well, there was shade there was shade for the people who were watching. It was a beautiful backdrop. And he began to do his magic tricks. He ended, he was about to end with the big, the big bang. He calls the gentleman up. He says, sir, pick a card, any card from this deck. Now, there are some sleight of hands. He makes sure the guy picks the right card. The guy takes the card, and he says, sir, walk over to that tree and just rub your card on that tree, but you keep that card in your hand. He says, now step over here. Gives another person an ax. The person comes up, he says, begin to cut into that tree, please, right there, right where he was rubbing. They cut into the tree, and lo and behold, there was a card in that tree. He pulls out the card and he says, sir, is this your card? <laughs> what in the world just happened? <laughs> right? That's what the guy was thinking. He was thinking to himself, what just happened? That's my card. How did you do that? Right? The guy's card was in the tree, but was the guy's card in the tree? No, it wasn't in the tree. It was something that had been set up years ago. Now I understand you're like, what, Pastor Dwayne? That's what you call patience, people. That's what you call patience. But the difference between us and the magician is we have real power. We have real power. And sometimes we have to pray to see something that we desire to happen. We have to pray for it, and then we have to wait for that thing to come about. But when it unfolds, when it's revealed, how about David, a shepherd in a field? Somebody walks up to him and says, you've been called, you've been chosen to be the king of Israel. Years later, here he is one of the greatest, one of the greatest. I've got one for you. How about a baby born by immaculate conception? <laughs> that story started when? Um, somewhere in Genesis. By what? though by what by a simple directive by great authority and look at what it became if you can take this very simple message and you and you do me a favor Ask God 
This is the simple directive. Ask God to help this message grow in you. Ask God to help this word, this seed, to grow in you. Believe it. I'm not even asking you to believe for an amazing prayer, right? I'm not asking you to believe for whatever it is that you want changed in your life. That's not what I'm asking you for. See, I'm going deeper than that. Because before you can do that, you first need to do this. Simply ask God, Lord God, help me believe this. Because as you believe this, when you get to the place that you really believe this, what is that? That a simple directive from great authority can change and turn into something immense and greater than what you thought? Then you won't have a problem giving those simple directives. You can speak to a small situation and have an expectation that it's going to change. You can speak to a big situation and have an expectation that it's going to change. But first, you have to make peace with and understand in whose authority you're doing it in. This is the last thing I'm going to read, and I'm going to be done before you today. A man named Richard Halverson, he's, or he was, an American Presbyterian minister. We are not that. He is not us, right? He would not do church the way we do. That's beside the point. But what I want you to know is, is what he wrote has a lot of truth. Somebody on the outside looking in, speaking truth. It says this. Evangelicals seem to want power only so they can accomplish their agenda, which is not a kingdom of God agenda. They want a spiritual revival so they can be more materialistic. But the surest way for this to be a better world is for people to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we will pray for things that we desire and want with Christ in mind, with a kingdom mindset. I'm trying to think of something personal. And I just, I can't. So Maybe, you, maybe you've prayed for something that you really feel like you should have. Maybe you've prayed for something that you really feel like should have happened. But maybe you prayed that prayer not considering God's will and God's desire. There are so many people in this world who are angry at our God. Because he doesn't make the decisions that they want to make. Some of them blame him for the decisions that they have made. Man, oh man, if we could understand the authority that goes before us and backs us up. What would our world look like? 
What would our world look like if when God said, let it go, we let it go? If when God said it's time to go, we went. I'm about to use something really big here. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I think we overlook her and what she dealt with sometimes. God says, you're going to have a baby. Any, any woman out here uh, ready to do that just on a whim? Anybody? Anybody up here like, sign me up. And then only, only 33 years later to have God come to you and say, time for him to go. But we can only be okay with that because we now understand. We understand now. Man, I really hope. I, I'm going to pray. God. God, you just, you've, you've just shared something that is probably a little bit bigger than we're ready to handle. I mean, I'm still wrapping my mind around it. God, please help us. Help us to understand. In the name of Jesus, I speak understanding into the hearts and minds of your people. I speak understanding in the name of Jesus that we would grasp the greatness of this simple message. That we would allow our faith to align, to be increased with and by this simple message that we would understand not just the power, but the authority. Or not just the authority, but the power. Either way, whichever one we've grasped, Father, I pray that we would grasp the other just as strongly. So that we can walk in both. So that we can have a greater expectation In the name of Jesus, I pray. If there's anybody out here under the sound of my voice who does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want to take the opportunity now to ask you if you were to die today, if today was the end and you stood before Christ and he asked you, why should I let you live eternity with me? What would you say? If you came to understand your options, Go to hell, eternal damnation, or come to heaven. But he said to you, why should I allow you to come? What would your response be? Would it be, I've been a good person? Would it be, I gave a lot? I worked with the church. Would it be I went to church? I want to tell you right now, none of those things will be a good reason. Because the truth is, 
There's only one reason. And it's because we accept him, we love him, and we believe in him. And we give our life to him. So if you have not done that, you're here today, and that's a decision that you wish to make real in your life. Then I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. I would love to pray with you, but it's not a requirement. You can pray right from your seat. But what the Bible does say is that we will confess with our mouths and with our heart that he is king. I'm going to pray. Lord God, you know the hearts of your people. You know that person that is hearing the words that I'm saying right now. Father, you, you've already been ministering to them. You've already touched their heart. You've already drawn them in. God, I pray right now that they would take the steps, that they would make the decision in their heart and that they would confess with their mouth that you are their Lord and Savior, that you are the Christ who died on their behalf and rose again with all power in his hands and that they want to live their life for you. In the name of Jesus, God, meet them where they're at. Minister to them. Bring them out of the place where they're at, the place of darkness, the place of loneliness. Bring them out of that place into a place of joy and peace. God, I pray right now that you would surround them with people who love you and will love on them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you guys all for coming to the Body Dayton, for joining us on Facebook. Myself, Pastor Wayne, and Pastor Jeff, we appreciate you, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Don't forget, deep in, we're going to talk about that fig tree, all right? I ain't even playing. We're going in on it. Because I'm like, what in the world? The fig tree, it, it shriveled up. Love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, all right? God bless.